Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. It's great to have you with us. It's been an interesting week for U.S.-China relations. The FBI arresting two New York City residents on charges of conspiring to act as agents for China and obstruction of justice. The two men, authorities say, operated a Chinese secret police station in the Chinatown area of Manhattan. The Department of Justice said the men worked together to establish the first overseas police station on behalf of China's Ministry of Public Security. If convicted, they face up to 25 years in prison. Turning now to the latest on Jack Teixeira, the man accused of the biggest document leak since Edward Snowden. New documents from the Pentagon leaks show U.S. officials knew about four more Chinese surveillance balloons than they revealed to the public. One of those balloons reportedly flew over a U.S. carrier group in the Pacific Ocean. That occurrence was never reported publicly. The Pentagon saying this week they don't know how many more leaked documents are out there as they look to mitigate the embarrassment to the Biden administration and damage to national security. Joining us now is Gordon Chang, author, attorney, China expert, and Tony Schaefer, president of the London Center for Policy Research and host of the all-new podcast, The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. Gordon, Tony, great to have you with us here. And what we know will be a fascinating conversation about foreign policy, particularly as it pertains to China. Let's turn to the summit, the recent summit between Xi and Putin. Your thoughts, Gordon, about the importance of that summit and what came of it? There's a lot that went on behind the scenes, which we don't know about, Lou, of course. But the important thing is when Xi Jinping actually um, said farewell to Putin, and this was public, and Xi Jinping said, change is coming, change that has not occurred over the last century. And then he said to Putin, and you and I together are driving that change. Well, what he was really saying was that the U.S. was no longer a factor because China and Russia together were um, basically determining the course of the world. And in a sense, you know, that's right, because they have been driving events because the United States, which is basically a far stronger power than China and Russia combined, um, is led by a weak leader. So you've got two, I believe, weak states, China and Russia, with strong leaders and the United States, a strong state with a weak leader. But we know who is actually the one right now that is, um, as they, as Reggie Jackson used to say, the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, uh, your, your thoughts, Tony. So I agree with Gordon. I think the two things which we're going to watch is the fact that since uh, Gordon is correct, uh, the leadership of the United States is seen as uh, uh, ineffective, is weak, and uh, while the potentiality there is for the United States to influence 
events, it's choosing not to. So that uh, nature abhors a vacuum, Lou. And so uh, China is stepping into that vacuum, especially in the Middle East. Uh, the other area which um, uh, the Chinese are clearly, the PRC is leading on, is uh, the Middle East, where they've been able to bring two warring powers that go back 100 years or more, the Sunni and Shia, the uh, the uh, Saudis and Iranians, to, to the table, to a potential negotiated agreement, which in my view torpedoes uh, the Abraham Accords, because obviously we were working with a, our Sunni, our Saudi allies, to bring peace via this process with the Israelis. Uh, that's that's gone because the, the Biden administration did nothing to manage that. And secondly, to Gordon's point, uh, both parties, both powers together, the Russians and Chinese, both seek to undermine the Western dominance of uh, the global uh, economic system, in particular the dollar. Uh, the uh, the dollar has been since Nixon made it the petrodollar, the the reserve currency of the world. Clearly, Putin doesn't want that. Uh, he's doing everything he can to undermine and make sure that he gets rubles for the energy he sells. And clearly, the Chinese are going to partner with him to to allow them to uh, to be the receiver uh, of of those. Uh, of those uh, energy needs. And I think that's one of the things China needs is a reliable partner to provide it energy. So what better than to have the Russians working with you to strengthen your economy and your, your uh, energy needs, and then work with you as a partner to undermine our global dominance in currency. And I do believe, Lou, that the ultimate objective of both uh, the Russian leader and, the, and, and the, uh, the Chinese leader is to basically defang the United States from the position of power that Gordon outlined. We are a very powerful country, but if we if we do if we are not no longer the currency of choice, then uh, our economy I think will be suffering greatly, and that's what the Chinese I think ultimately want. They don't want to have to meet us in battle if they can defeat us economically. Uh, and economics is really the battlefield of the 21st century, uh, in my opinion. Uh, hopefully, it'll remain so. But when we look at this uh, this summit, uh, what really came of it? Uh, one of them was the comment that the by Vladimir Putin that uh, the this is not a military alliance between uh, China and Russia. I, I'm not too sure what that means. Uh, I'd like to hear from each of you on that, uh, Gordon. Well, first of all, um, technically Putin is right. China does not have an obligation, a legal obligation, to defend Russia by treaty. China um, is so arrogant that it does not want to have alliances. In fact, it only has one alliance, and that is with North Korea, and that's an historic relic. And the Chinese are embarrassed by it. They don't talk about it. But it doesn't really matter whether it's a formal alliance or not. We have um, China all in supporting Russia on the Ukraine war. And it's been the elevated commodity purchases, which effectively finance Putin's war effort, um, China opening up its financial system to sanctioned Russian institutions, China putting its diplomats in service of the Kremlin, China putting uh, central government and Communist Party propaganda outlets to amplify Russian disinformation about the war. And from the very beginning of this war, China's been providing lethal assistance to Russia. Biden administration says lethal assistance is a red line, but the Chinese keep crossing it. Biden doesn't want to acknowledge that. And so the Chinese hear our warnings as hollow. And some of the most dangerous moments in history is when you have aggressors believe that the great democracies 
are only capable of issuing hollow warnings. And that's the situation we have right now, Lou. Tony, your thoughts about what Gordon has just said? Yeah, look, I, yeah, I, I think um, they have done exercises. Uh, that is the Russians and the, and the PRC. So they have a, a relationship, but simply having a relationship does not mean it's an alliance. And I think they're downplaying it at this point because they they do want to be seen as two independent powers that are seeking their own future, but working together on mutual terms of, of interest. I think there's a long-term danger, Lou, that uh, China will eventually uh, turn on Russia, but right now it's a, it's a marriage of convenience. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, the economic winds of fate have pushed them together. Uh, China quickly allowed for the bypassing of sanctions right after we, we put them on Russia back uh, about a year, a little over a year ago. Uh, when the invasion happened, uh, they've been happy to do that. And then also, again, the reliable energy source for China is important. I think ultimately China will see Russia as a weak partner and, and uh, dominate it, much like, uh, I, I'm going to use this analogy and it may get me in trouble, but the, you know, the Nazis and, and um, uh, Russia, the Soviets were very happy to carve up Poland at one point, but then obviously, you know, when Hitler thought that it was in his interest to move on and do, you know, to be the, the greater power, he did it. And I see the Chinese with their ultimate cultural belief that they are the chosen people of the world uh, and a certain level of arrogance, as, as, as Gordon said, they're very arrogant. And I think a lot of it has to do with them being the belief that the Han, uh, their, their people are the, the cultural uh, um, enlightened that are due to eventually rule the planet. So I think there's an, a certain amount of that in this relationship. But Putin, again, will use the relationship right now with the Chinese for mutual benefit. They both see benefit at this point. One of the points of departure, I think, is when we talk about arrogance and geopolitics, do either of these countries, and and arrogance, I think, can be safely ascribed, you know, ascribed uh, uh, to both to both Russia and China, but does either of those uh, countries rise to the level of the United States and the arrogance of its leaders? Uh, there is nothing more arrogant than ignoring obvious, clear, and present dangers and threats, which are <laughs> surrounding us uh, from the east, from the west, uh, and certainly uh, Europe. Right now, it looks like nothing more than a beachhead for Western civilization, uh, nothing approaching its center. Yeah, Lou, I think that the Biden administration is arrogant. Another word that I would use would be oblivious. Another word would be feeble. Um, but clearly, we see all of those strains there um, where Biden is not willing to acknowledge what's happening in the world. The world is dividing into camps. China and Russia are forming the core of a new axis. And around that core, you have North Korea, Iran, Pakistan, Algeria. And when one of these regimes cause troubles, the others are actually, I think, going to um, take advantage of it. And so we're going to see trouble break out around the world. Um, and that's really the, you know, that's really the, the problem right now in Ukraine. And that is that uh, I think the future of the world gets written in Ukraine, or at least the future of the next several decades gets mm. written in Ukraine, where if we prevail, the Chinese and um, the proxies, I think, slink back into the shadows. 
But if uh, Putin does well there, I'm sure China is going to see that as a green light on Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, India, the United States. Um, So this is an exceedingly consequential moment. And it's Biden's arrogance um, uh, or obliviousness or feebleness or all three that are really driving this right now. Yeah, and I agree, Lou, with with um, Gordon on this. The um, there's an arrogance by the fact that the, the Biden administration and and uh, those who inhabit it uh, exercise a, an extraordinary version of projection. They they project onto others on the international stage what they think they should be doing. Tony Blinken is a master of being completely feckless in his understanding of, of foreign parties. And I think it's uh, the idea that uh, that in many cases, they project, the Biden administration projects onto others how they would react to stimulus. It's, 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 it's um, amazing to watch how they cannot accept feedback that tells them, hey, this ain't working like you think it, it is. Or if it is working, uh, like you think it is, it, you don't actually uh, take advantage of it and do something else to to stabilize the situation. And I, I'm going to say something now that may you know may not sit well with everybody. But look, the Biden administration is not trying to win Ukraine as much as they're throwing money at it. And I've got a chart over here uh, that outlines the uh, one 113.4 billion dollars that they've sent. It's feckless. Uh, Sun Tzu once said. Uh, Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And there's there's nobody in the Biden administration thinking st- strategically. Uh, they do not understand or wish to, to comprehend what Gordon said regarding linkages uh, on, the, on the global stage. Uh, Putin, much of what he's doing is playing, uh, you know, his speech on the anniversary of the war. It was, it was to play to an audience that, that he finds important, which is the, the Russian audience and those in the third world in, in, in Asia and Africa. Uh, the Biden administration doesn't even uh, come up as a blip now because they are so detached from the reality in which these other countries live and and want work, and that's what and and what's dangerous about it is they don't even understand that they don't even understand Lou that the world's passed them by. And to Gordon's point, there's new camps being formed. Uh, it's like when you were in a kid, you know, on the on the playground being picked for dodgeball. Uh, they pit, they've been picking their dodgeball teams, and uh, Joe Biden ain't going to be picked anytime soon. We're talking with Tony Schaefer and Gordon Chang. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after this quick message from our sponsor. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back now talking with Tony Schaefer, Gordon Chang. 
I think is as troubling as all of that is the consolidation of power centers around the world, a a, a realignment, if you will, a shift, uh, perhaps even a tectonic level shift uh, in in trade, uh, in military, uh, in military as well as economic uh, relationships. There have to be conditions preceding, uh, because to go to the point about uh, tactics without strategy, what we are watching may not be without strategy because we may not, it may not have been articulated. So I'm going to ask both of you, what do you see as the condition, the conditions preceding uh, to this global uh, alignment? that is built around the the axis of both China and Russia. And let's consider that's a, an intermediate uh, relationship, uh, the terms of which can be satisfied for the next, say, 10, 20 years. What are, the, what are the conditions that have to be met before there is such a thing as uh, a, a, a real uh, adjustment uh, in the power centers uh, uh, favoring both China and Russia and diminishing uh, the United States' role. Because let's be, and I want to add one other thing in that. The European nations, what are there, only seven nations that are meeting their 2% of budget obligations for military uh, preparedness. Uh, they are basically bystanders on their own uh, front. I, and the United States, this administration is trying to assert itself. It, it, they look ludicrous and and feeble, uh, the Europeans, uh, but that is either by design or by default. Uh, if you if you would begin with those thoughts, uh, if you would, Gordon. Yeah, the condition preceding, Lou, is the failure of American leadership, and that's what we have right now. Um, there would not have been an invasion of Ukraine if there were not the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. That catastrophic withdrawal, you know, as Tony's been talking about, is really just Biden's failure to understand the consequences of what was um, going to happen. And then after it happened, um, Biden absolutely refused to acknowledge what had occurred. Um, so you then have Ukraine. Ukraine is going to lead on to something else. You know, if we go back to something which was analogous, during the 1970s, we had Nixon and Kissinger there saying, well, we need to have detente because the Soviet Union was going to be there forever. And so therefore, we need to have this understanding and dialogue with the Soviets. Well, Reagan said, yeah, I'll talk to the Soviets, but I believe we should win. They should lose. That was Reagan talking about his strategy. That was American leadership. Once there was American leadership, you saw the reactivation of the, the dissidents in the Soviet Union. You saw all sorts of other good things occur, and that eventually led to the failure and collapse of the Soviets. Now, it's the same thing right now. What we're having is a collapse of the international order, and it's collapsing because Joe Biden does not understand as this is what Tony was just saying a few moments ago. It is the direct result of a lack of strategy, a lack of understanding, a lack of execution by the Biden team. And, and if I could add to that, Lou, um, to the question, what precedes the, the change is the fact that uh, uh, we have abandoned the high ground. For better or for worse, the United States, after World War II, inherited 
the global mantle of empire. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a neocon, and please take my words with a grain of salt. I once debated Ran, uh, Ron Paul when he was running for president on, John, on your colleague John Stossel's show on Fox Business a few years ago when he ran. And he, Rand Paul was against the idea of us being the, the, the referee or uh, determinant factor for keeping lines of communication and commerce open. And my argument was, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily for us doing it, but if we don't do it, who does it then? And that's the danger here where yeah, if we're not the ones doing it, someone else may do it. And I don't think we're going to necessarily like the way they do it. It's not going to be fair. And I think if nothing else, we have been, Lou, mostly attempting to be fair regarding the global uh, system of, of uh, economic exchange and commerce. I don't believe for a minute the Chinese are going to share our... Uh, our altruism in the interest of, of global trade. I think they will gain and seek advantage at every step, and I don't think we're going to like that. So the condition is obviously us slipping away from the international order which has existed. Uh, and the, then the other thing relating to that is the fact that the U.S. empire, which uh, Reagan did, I think, act uh, appropriately from strength. The idea is we will be strong, we will be prepared to act, but we will try not to act. And I think that's what's lacking now, too. Biden acts the opposite. Anytime that there's an option of using force, they use weakness, they show weakness. Heck, the other day when the, Israel, the Iranians uh, attacked uh, the, Syri the troops in Syria, which I'm not for our troops, troops being there right now, I don't think they have a clear mission. But when they were attacked uh, after the United States Air Force retaliated using F-15 strike eagles, uh, the Pentagon immediately apologized, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we hit you. Uh, we really don't want to expand conflict. Sending the exact opposite message, like they're just asking, Lou, for others to be more aggressive coming after the elements of U.S. foreign policy because the, the perception is nobody's going to do anything seriously to push back against any aggression by, uh, by a third power. Yeah, let, let me go to what you said earlier about American altruism. It's sort of interesting to hear you talk about the American empire uh, and uh, its altruism at the same time. Uh, we've never had an empire, and we've and we frankly have not been altruistic. Altruism sometimes is the sort of uh, to, forgive me, Tony. I understand what you're saying. When you when you when you when you when you strike a when you strike a bad bargain and you lose, uh, I guess a great defense is to say that's altruistic of me to have turned over whatever that value was. Yes, that's uh, true. And, and the reality is, uh, we have been our Wall Street has been acting with immense greed and capitalist uh, fervor uh, to get into China. Uh, and they have had their heads handed to them. Uh, right now, we've watched an immense transfer of capital, and I'm talking by the trillions of dollars, uh, into into China. We have permitted, through the, uh, the investment of corporations, whether they be Tesla, General Motors, uh, whatever the manufacturing that has gone into China out of the global 1,000 from the United States, is now, it was just used as a lever by the communist Chinese to leapfrog 20 years of development, design, intellectual property uh, uh, creation. Uh, I, I mean, they are now on a parody with us because they have stolen and we have gifted them a decade's worth of intellectual capital that they won't have to invest. Do you agree, Gordon? 
Oh, absolutely. And that really has been um, the nature of our relationship with China. We have allowed China to corrupt our elites, to steal our intellectual property, to kill Americans with COVID-19 and with fentanyl. And the list goes on and on. And the United States, you know, going back to Tony's point about altruism, you know, the United States, I agree, has not, does not have an empire. I mean, at the end of World War II, we were the strongest nation in history. And yet what we chose to do was develop a rules-based system. Well, we, China came along. Um, after the end of the Cold War, people were saying, oh, you know, we'll integrate China into this system. And there, after that, we just ignored continuing bad behavior on the part of the Chinese. And as we ignored that bad behavior, you know, Chinese leaders said, well, look, you know, the Americans aren't enforcing their norms. So they're not enforcing their own laws in the United States. So what the Chinese decided to do was to engage in even worse behavior. So over the course of decades, we taught Chinese leaders to be more aggressive, to be more belligerent, to be more malicious. So this is the greatest failure in American diplomatic history is our relations with China after the Cold War. Tony, we'll get your response to that. We'll take a quick break here. We're talking with Gordon Chang and Tony Schaefer, and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now talking with Gordon Chang and Tony Schaefer. Tony, before the break, Gordon said Biden allowing China to walk all over us the way they have has been the greatest failure in American diplomatic history. Your thoughts? I agree with both of you. We, we are not an empire. I'm I, 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 I strongly in agreement. What I'm saying is if FDR made the point of ending the, the British dominance, their empire. I mean, that was part of his objective during World War II. And to, to, to Gordon's point, we set up a rules-based system instead of us becoming an empire. What I'm trying to say is we have jeopardized that framework, which has allowed the world to be uh, to trade and act freely. And I don't dispute, Lou, what you're saying about businesses trying to go into China. But to Gordon's point, they've had their lunch eaten uh, over and over again. We've gained nothing. Bill Gertz even did a book a few years ago called Betrayal, where uh, he talked about the Chinese essentially being given by U.S. companies uh, MIRV, multiple independent reentry vehicle technology to improve their nuclear weapon arsenal. So we've given them everything. That's not altruism and stupidity. I'm just saying that we have, for the most part, have set up a system which actually worked to keep the world neutral, and the Chinese are doing everything they can to undermine that. Yeah, I, and I, I think there's also a great danger in the thinking of the foreign policy establishment uh, that somehow they still have the same power, position, leverage, right. uh, and role 
that they possessed uh, in, in 1991 uh, as the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, the Cold War ended, uh, patting themselves on the back for what was really a failure of the system, uh, the, the Marxist system, uh, the, the communist system of the Soviet Union. What is interesting right now is uh, your point, uh, to your point about uh, the currencies, uh, the reserve currency, uh, and, and the role of the dollar in this economy. The fact of the matter is we don't have very bright people managing this economy. We don't have uh, any association between political strategies, uh, geopolitical strategies, national strategies in this country, and economic policies, uh, and if you will, strategies as well. There is, I have not heard one economic leader in this country, I'm talking about bankers, I'm talking about uh, the, the permanent bureaucracy, whomever, or uh, certainly academia is basically a silent uh, group of institutions now because they have no social critics or forward thinkers, it seems, emanating from any discipline of uh, the social sciences. So I, I don't know how we judge what is happening here because we really are, as we watch these other power centers, as you were laying out, be constructed and the axis of China and Russia uh, be uh, uh, bolstered. The United States is divided and becoming more so. Uh, the, the divide between the elites uh, and the, the people, as a populist, I can say these things, the elites and the rest of America, the, the, the hollowing out of our most important institutions. And I, I mean in that, business and academia. We are not seeing a, a, a great renaissance of intellectual energy and innovation, we are right now living on the inertia of what was the, what looks to be right now, the peak point in American ingenuity, innovation, uh, and uh, construction uh, of a powerhouse economically. Yes, Lou, you're absolutely right about that. You know, just take, for instance, the guy who's now sitting in the Oval Office, he thought that he could spend trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have actually borrowing from the rest of the world and that it would not have any inf impact on prices. And then you have this big run up inflation and Biden's bank regulators who are worried about climate change rules that the banks are following didn't even think about the diminution in the bond values because of inflation. You know, this is this is this is third grade economics. This is not even economics 101. Any any third grader can tell you this makes no sense whatsoever. And, and yet you have the elites, as you say, they are not talking about this. If we want to talk about intellectual advance in America, the last one we had was America first. And that was the uh, work of you and uh, someone named Donald John Trump, who actually thought this situation wasn't working, had to be changed. And, and clearly, you know, you have a Biden who's repudiated those views. But I believe that in 2024, the American people are going to sit up and say, this ain't working. We got to go back to something that does work. And I think we're going to see a change in this country. And it's a change that you've been leading, Lou. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for the, the credit, which uh, you know, I, I deserve a uh, whole 
whole and entirely, of course. <laughs> Thank you. But the fact is, I'm, I'm going to give a little credit uh, to, to President Trump, if I may, out of just all modesty, uh, in terms of America first and make America great. He has been a president, the likes of which we haven't seen. I really believe still. Because of this president, we have a chance for this to be the Trump century and not that of Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin. I want to go to your point, uh, Tony, again, uh, yeah. on, on on the finances of it all, mm -hmm. the global finances of it all. We're looking at Honduras. We're looking at Kenya, Brazil, Turkey in one way or another, stepping back from the dollar, embracing right. the Chinese rather than uh, in the instance, for example, uh, Honduras uh, right. turning its back on Taiwan, reaching toward Beijing. Uh, this is, seems to be the attitude across most of this uh, hemisphere. And many people are not paying attention to the fact that in this hemisphere, which once was moving decidedly democratically, uh, is now moved decidedly authoritarian uh, uh, and communist, in point of fact. Uh, we are not taking care of business on any continent in any direction. We don't even know what the hell the Canadians are doing, let alone what is happening in Africa, what is happening in the Middle East. We have been out, our foreign policy team in this administration I won't give all of the credit or blame to, to Biden because I think he's sufficiently impaired that he doesn't even know what we're talking about. But the reality is this team, is they just simply seem to be uh, out of touch. They don't seem yeah. to be interested in getting uh, the idea of uh, thinking about uh, shuttle diplomacy. I mean, these people won't even think about uh, simply stepping off the curb to find out what's going on. Right. Let alone shuttle diplomacy. What is wrong with this innervated administration uh, that leaves borders wide open, does business with the cartels openly, and no one, no leading, uh, no leader from any quarter of American society or the economy says a word? To circle the square of what Gordon just said about you and President Trump, uh, Lou, that's the key. You and President Trump recognize the link between economic success and national security. No other leader speaks in those terms. No, nor other, no, no other leader do I know. Uh, and I, look, I've dealt with uh, you a long time, sir. I respect you and I appreciate the fact that you think these things through and, and speak clearly on it. And that's what we lack now. We don't have someone who can link these things together and say everything is connected. And everything, as Gordon just said, is, is, is something we're not paying attention to. The pandemic and no response adequate regarding the fact that China is responsible for it, that we funded it and nothing's going to be done at this point. The idea that somehow fentanyl is acceptable. Uh, it's a weapon of mass destruction being ferried through Latin America into our countries. The Chinese have invested in soft power, Lou. They bought the best politicians on the planet over and over in all these third world countries, and they bought Joe Biden too. So they've made a, a wise series of investments with, 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 with their money. And then to the dollar, look, every time uh, you see our Treasury Secretary stand up and, and basically print money, that destroys the prestige of the dollar and weakens the actual economic value of ever, what every American holds. The, the idea that your 401k, my 401k, has been diminished in power and value because of the government deciding to spend money because of the crises they create. People watch that besides the Americans. Unfortunately, the American people don't see the damage being done to their own economic interests. And that's where I think, I really hope, uh, you and uh, President Trump can help educate people on how dangerous the situation is regarding the complete 
lack of, of, of understanding how these things are all linked on the world stage and how we must focus on economic success, and that must be linked to our national security. Well said. And let me let me uh, reach toward the, the end of this uh, interview when I say uh, we always give our guests, as you gentlemen know, the last word. So I'm going to, if you would, uh, Gordon, let's let's begin with your concluding thoughts, then yours, Tony. And uh, I want to just say to both of you, thanks so much for uh, uh, being with us and offering your your insights and and sharing your knowledge. Well, thank you, Lou. And I think the most important thing is that uh, Biden and the American elites have got to recognize that the world is fundamentally changing. It's becoming a hostile place. China and Russia are, are not competitors. They're even worse than adversaries. They are enemies. Xi Jinping talks about uh, trying to impose China's imperial era system, where Chinese emperors believe that they not only had the mandate of heaven to rule Tianxia, all under heaven, but that heaven actually compelled them to do so. And since 2017, Chinese officials have been talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. So we got to recognize the fundamental nature of the challenge to the United States, to our values, that the Chinese Communist Party views the U.S. as an existential threat, not because of um, anything we say or do, but because of who we are and our values. And so we have to know that this is the fight of our lifetimes and that China's not going to give us a second chance. Tony. Yeah, Lou. Um, I was on the Trump transition team back in uh, 2016. And one of the, the one of my contacts was uh, General Milley, Mark Milley. He was the then chief of staff of the army. We sat in his office and he lectured me on the need to understand that based on his reading of Chinese doctrine and speaking to Chinese generals, that their objective, that is the Chinese, have the military objective of dominating the Pacific Rim. That's what he said to me. And, and I have no doubt that that's what the Chinese told him, uh, that that is what they've said within their doctrine and their intention. That is something that uh, to me is indisputable. And yet somehow, because we have Joe Biden as president, Mark Milley seems to have lost his uh, interest in what is clearly a threat. As Gordon said, these are enemies. They've said there are enemies. They are just patient. They're not going to do a blitzkrieg uh, and, and, and upend everything if they think they can use economic power, fifth generation warfare is what I call it, as a means of influencing us and trying to defeat us before we have to go to war. But but. It's no doubt that the, the, the military, the Pentagon understands what's coming. What I find unacceptable, and I think Gordon would share this with me, is the fact that we have uh, the arrogance of uh, the momentum of the system somehow believing, th those in charge of it believing that somehow the momentum of our su past success is going to get us into the future. It's not. And I think that's what's most dangerous is people right now in these positions of, of power and authority are completely oblivious to the danger which we now face. And that's what uh, I hope we can change in 2024. Well, that uh, that danger is intensifying, it seems, with every, every passing week. And we thank you very much, gentlemen, for being with us here on The Great America Show to contemplate what, uh, for some, I hope none of them in the in the Pentagon uh, to contemplate what is the unthinkable, and that is conflict on a global scale with the major powers, because that does seem to be the subtext of what uh, is emanating from both capitalists, Moscow and Beijing.
Gordon Chang, Tony Schaefer, great Americans both. That's all for us today. We hope you have a great weekend. Please join us here Monday when our guest will be former NSA intelligence analyst and whistleblower Russ Tice. We'll continue our weekly discussion with Russ, a discussion you don't want to miss. Till then, thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.